0: Uh, Mr Tan, when you invested, you already knew the risks. There's nothing we can do.
1: What's up, Aventus Film? You are listening to the third episode of Aventus Know, Season 2. I'm your host, Mara Idris, and for those of you trying to find your way around the corporate ocean or trying to hashtag up your game with a career, this is where you should be. For today's episode, we will be discussing that difficult customer. Share with us that one nightmare that has stuck with you in the comment section below or on our Instagram post. Our guest for today has over 20 years of training experience, successfully completing more than a thousand days of training over 30 cities around the world. She specializes in effective communication and client service excellence among many other topics. A dedicated speaker and trainer with a knack for unraveling the complicated and turning it into practical applications, she is Maxine Teo, everyone. Scene one, take one, action! Hey Maxine, we're so glad to have you with us today. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here, Meira. Thank you for having me this evening. We're glad to have you here too. The term difficult customer is quite general. How will you define difficult customers?
0: Mm, that is an excellent first question, because what's difficult to you might be easy peasy for someone else. For example, right, I have many of my sales professional friends, they will say, wow, this client is asking so many questions, so difficult. After I answer, he ask me another question, never ending. So that could be a hassle for some of us. And to someone else, they go like, Oh my goodness, that is good. The more questions they ask, that means the more serious they are in buying. So they see that as strong buying signals rather than the client or customer being difficult. So if I could summarize it simply, difficult is in the eye of the beholder. So I think later on, as we share and chat more, you'll find out that there are different ways to manage those who are really difficult. For example, if they shout at you, yeah, you are being unreasonable in their demands. Then that would be the classic case of difficult. Mm. So could
1: you share with us any stories of the worst encounter with a difficult customer and what you did about it?
0: Ah, Okay, if it is for my personal experience, that will be... Many years ago, and I was in a different country. I won't name the country in case I I may cause a misunderstanding that I'm stereotyping (laughs) that country. But in that country, the agreement for the training program is for class size of 30 people. And when I arrived and when they received me in that country, then they told me we have 85 people turning up. I was like, what? That is almost three times the number. Yeah, I think any decent professional trainer will tell you if you have that number, that size, it will not be an effective training. On top of that, it's a three-day one. So I was at that time. That was about ten years ago. I was in a state of a uh, shock. <laughs> I was thinking, how am I going to manage that one of me? On top of that, the aircon broke down in that country, and it was forty-five degrees in that country, hotter mm. than Dubai. <laughs> so it was really hot. And the customer, the client in this case, was also being difficult by saying, uh, "Just keep, keep going." You know, is the conditions were not even appropriate. Everyone was perspiring. They were yeah. frustrated. They were hot, but they kept pushing me to go on. So at that time, I was thinking we should have postponed the training or call it off or until we fix the aircon or something. But no. As to how I handled that situation, because the client wasn't going to budge, right? They have brought their 50 over bank, uh, 80 over bankers from different parts of the world to come together for that training. So I had to think of my situation. You know, for customers who are difficult, in this case, it's like straightforward difficult. Yeah. If you cannot give them exactly what they want, you have to give them alternatives, right? If you don't give them options or alternatives, they will give you their options and their alternatives. <laughs> So at the time, I was like, no way I'm going to survive this for three days in that hot environment with such a huge group. And during the first break, the the tea break, we went to the canteen within the academy. And I noticed in the canteen itself, there was full air conditioning and the tables were all big round tables for people to sit and eat. Whereas in the theatre, which housed almost 90 of them, it was in a theater style, it was like a web a seminar, it wasn't even a training. So I realized, what if I can propose to change the training location to the kitchen? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yes! Firstly, there's air con. all of us can breathe and be comfortable. Secondly, it's in round tables, they can have better discussions and inter- interactions. So that experience itself, when I proposed to the client, before I would propose, I spoke with one of them and they laughed at me and said, what? Training in the kitchen? Not like your response. just not- yeah. <laughs> And I told them, I gave them the options, either we carry on for three days, people will fall asleep, people will faint from heat, and I will not be able to function to my best. Or we shift everyone to the kitchen, sit at the tables and we will have full air conditioning. It's a little bit of a hassle to move everyone there, the equipment there, but the end result will be much much better. Mm -hmm. So the client thought about it. It's like, yeah, we've never done this before, but let's do it. So the moral of this story is sometimes clients may seem unreasonable, but it's not that they're being difficult or just mean. They Perhaps they did not or could not think of any other options. So they just impose or force you to do something that they think is the only outcome or only option. So it is up to us to constantly think of what else can we do to provide options so that we can still have a win-win situation in the end. So that's one of my most memorable, crazy, difficult situation that I managed to get out of. Well,
1: Do you have any other suggestions of how we could effectively manage difficult customers?
0: Hmm... I think there are so many scenarios where we could always help customers to get what they want. But if there's something simple, powerful, and memorable for our listeners this evening, I'd like to introduce my five-step approach, which I've written in the book that I authored last year, Secret Manual of the Sales Warrior. So in the chapter on managing difficult customers, I introduced this five-step, which is an acronym, P-A-U-S-E. So I'm going to walk you through it and our listeners can also take notes or take notes on that. Sometimes when a customer or anybody who's angry they can, or demanding, they start yelling unreasonable demands or even just going on and on and on. At that point of time, if you fight back, if you say, no, we cannot do that, they will become even angrier and become even more difficult. So P stands for pause. You need to... <laughs> hold back that urge to fight back, to answer back. Because when you pause, firstly, it helps you to stay cool, calm and collected. Because when you start engaging them and you get into that argument, you will be all heated up and frustrated. How do you even expect to manage a difficult customer? And the benefit to the angry person is that when they pause, when you pause, they can, <laughs> they can vomit out whatever frustration they have, and that's where when they are done, then you take on the step number two. A is for acknowledge. Let me ask you in this case, Mira, when you are upset, right? Let's say your friend made you angry. and If you are like, right, 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 And I said, yeah, don't be angry. Angry for what? Do you think you will come down from there? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? You oh what will happen? What, how will you react? I'll get even angrier. Yeah. I think you're angry for why? you get wrinkles at your young age, you're like, shut up. <laughs> You'll be angrier, right? Same thing with customers. But instead, if you're very angry and you rah, 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 you never go, mirror I'll be angry too if I were you. How would that make you feel? I feel you, right? Yes. Yeah. So the second step is very powerful and there are many power phrases involved, right? You can say, I'll be angry too if I were you, or I can imagine how angry it must be. or oh, you must be really pissed. And yeah, 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 yeah. In Singapore, I call it the yellow, yellow effect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yellow, 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 yellow. You feel me. So the A part really helps to calm down an angry or a difficult person, right? Because they feel that they are being heard. Sometimes in in sales service settings, when a customer demands something and the salesperson or the service staff says there's nothing we can do, no no no, I can't I can't do anything about it, and that's where they, they become difficult. What do you mean you cannot? Call your manager out here and make sure that you do it. Then they become difficult. But if you say something like, "I would be upset too if I were you." You know, that this is not being done. I'm really sorry this happened. The acknowledgement part will help them to feel that they're being heard and the guard will come down. So that's number two. Step three would be you for uncover. Uncover the hidden truth. Uncover that reason or that motivation behind them being difficult. For example, sometimes people around us they're very difficult because they had a bad day. Have you experienced that before, Mera, where you have someone who just snap at you out of the blue and you didn't even know what happened? Yeah, <laughs> You have, right? And you go like, you stand me for what? What they do with me? But instead of just scolding them right away, you let them... You, say, you must be having a bad day to feel this way. And they go... Valala. After they finish answering, they say, yeah, everybody is so mean. Everybody is just out to get me. And that's where you sense that, ah, oh, then the you comes in. What happened? Can you share more with me that's making you feel this way? The you will really, really, come in when useful, whether it's your customer, stakeholder, your boss, when they have finished letting it all oh, out. Oh. So that's where the pause comes in. And then when you acknowledge, yeah, you feel me. And then when you ask them, they'll be more willing to tell you what is bothering them. Whether they were upset, maybe they had a bad service experience previously and you triggered that. So could maybe you didn't do such a bad thing, but they were just upset from past experiences. So three steps so far. And the second final one, the S stage is state. State your point of view, state your recommendations, state your, your thoughts or your justification, after, that, after all this, I'll share with you an example to wrap it up. So that's the part where state usually comes in first for many of us. We forget to pause, we forget to acknowledge, forget to ask what happened before we start saying our, our piece. And the final step would be the E, the engage. How do you engage them to the next course of action? So let's sum it up with a scenario, right? Let's say in a service setting, a customer is very demanding. And he brought back a, a product that is maybe he, he bought it from the shop and it's broken. And they, he did not have the receipt and he just demands a return of a, a re- reimbursement or refund. So from a sales point of view or customer service, we cannot refund you if there's no receipt, right? And let's say the customer goes, I don't care. I bought it from you. I remember I was here. You can check your CCTV. I was a customer here. So during that stage, the pea part, that's where, okay, let me quiz you a little bit. What is pee? <laughs> Pause. Pause, yay, that's it, that's where you don't fight back at that point. You just listen, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all right, you listen. And then after he has finished yelling, you go, yeah, I would be upset too if I bought this and I went back, it was damaged. Yes, you would be, right? Yes, I would. I'm very sorry that that happened. So the acknowledgement part, rather than, are you trying to pull a fast one? Sometimes the way service staff talk is like implying that the customer is trying to cheat, right? And Mm -hmm. that makes them very defensive. As a result, they become more difficult. So after the acknowledgement, then you proceed to ask, so Mr. Chan, at what time did you purchase this so that perhaps I could help to trace the receipt, right? Because for every transaction, there's a receipt. Around what time? So you're helping to uncover the scenario. If he is a genuine customer, he would, he would know when he came to the shop, right? He said, no, I was here some time ago. Uh, I was here. Uh, and you know he's out to really cheat. Yeah. But most of the time, if they dare to make such a scene, they have really been there. And that's the uncover part. And then you go, ah, I'm able to trace this. So from here, we can see that it was damaged. This, uh, we may not be able to refund you because you don't have the receipt. But what I can do for you is I can either replace the product or you can leave it with us. We can help you to fix it. Which do you prefer? So we're giving options to the customer, right? We cannot give you back money because there's no transaction to offset it or paperwork Mm -hmm. to be cleared. But other options... And if he really wants to shoe and not just trying to cheat money, he would choose either to replace it or to have it fixed. And then the final part, the E, have you answered all your concerns? Shall we go ahead to fix it for you? And that's the next step. So that's how you P-A-U-S-E, turn an angry, difficult customer to become your biggest advocate. Customers are always right. So what do you Mm -hmm. think about that line? Hmm. <laughs> sorry i want to laugh because they are not always right <laughs> when we are a customer we like to say we are always right <laughs> but interestingly i teach on this course for the past uh, 15 over years and i ask that question all the time do you all agree that customers are always right i always have two schools of thought half of them will say of course customers without customers there's no us. we must always agree with the customer and then the other half will be like no way customers are not always right they're sometimes unreasonable pini pa, pini pa. so my opinion is it's not about they're always right i do agree we need in the service line we need to be customer centric even if the customer is wrong we don't want to embarrass the customer or call his or her bluff for example i've worked with uh, i've done training for a bank and the service staff told me that one of the customer called the bank to complain about a credit card transaction that was not charged by him. It was in Phuket, in Thailand, and it was he's a medical doctor. It was more than ten thousand over dollars, and he was like, "No, this is not." And apparently, that staff has served this customer for three years, and she knows that the doctor goes to Phuket for massages and spends a lot. And whenever the wife calls in the check, he will deny it. So she knew the pattern. She wanted to really say, come on, doctor. I know that she could have because she's not right. He was trying to get away with it. But she knew that clients are important. So she said, we're sorry about the situation. Let's see what we can do. Because the wife was beside him and he called apparently. So after the call was over, she wrote another email directly to the doctor to contact her. So he called on a separate line. And he said, sorry, my wife was just not there. And he made payment for the credit card transaction with his private account, which the wife never knew. I mean, in the service staff, we're not here to teach them about morals and how to be loyal to your wife and all that. But as far as uh, being customer-centric, You never embarrass your customer even if they are wrong. So that is the philosophy I believe in and not that we should always give in to them whether they are right or wrong. I
1: I feel like your stories are usually very spicy. (laughs) There's always a lot of drama in there. (laughs) Oh yes, I have a very dramatic life. (laughs) So Given the situation where employees are put in a dilemma, right? So Mm -hmm. in a case where you give them options, But what if like according to company's policy, the options that you would want to give them, you can't. There's no Uh, way you can budge.
0: I think in this case, when we say options, it does not have to be viable options. Let me explain that further. What people, generally people are frustrated about is when they feel deprived of options. It means when freedom is taken away from them, take it or leave it. You have no choice and automate them and they get really pissed. Whether you're a customer or you're a staff working in a company, no one likes to be deprived of that. So let's take, for example, uh, my personal experience. Sometimes when let's say if you you tell a customer that they, they demand, for example, a refund, of an investment that they've put in. An investment is not like a product where you just return the product, I give you back the money. Investment that goes into the financial markets, the losses made, there's no way they can get a full refund of the capital. I mean, that is investment. So if they go on and on and on, and you can't give them an option of giving them this and that, but the options could be, example, firstly, I have a power phrase to share. When you tell customers that, Oh, sorry, my hands are tight, there's nothing we can do, it's impossible, oh my gosh, these sentences, how do you feel when you hear that, Mira? If I feel sorry, there's nothing I can do. I was like, no, there has to be something you can do. Yes, and there's lo- those words are what we call trigger words, right, it makes people even yeah. more pissed. Yeah. So instead, I... They feel that you are not even trying. And that's what antagonizes the customer. So, the power phrase I like to share is instead of saying, no, this is not what we can do, you say, I wish I could help you with this. I wish. Because when you say, I wish, it means that you would if you could. There's an intention there. And you don't just stop there. For example, I want my money back. I want my capital back. I've invested. I don't care. Yes, Mr. Tan, I wish I could give you a full refund. That means I would versus uh, Mr. Tan, when you invested, you already knew the risks. There's nothing we can do. Ooh, they want to make them like, what? But said, I wish we could. But if you don't stop there, they'll say, then give it to me. So you have to come out options. Firstly, I wish we could give you a full refund. What we can do is, first of all, we will immediately terminate this transaction and refund you with whatever cash value there is, that's one. Secondly, this is a paper loss. You could decide to hang on for a longer investment horizon and wait it out. So with the market fluctuations and the pandemic situation improving, there's definitely a chance that it will pick up again. And of course, thirdly, if you are really upset and you still want to do something about this, what we can do is I will put in an appeal for you and I'll do my very best because there's no precedent set on this, but we will put in a request to our boss In your heart, you know no way. eh? No way the boss will give it. But you said, I'll put in the appeal. It will show that I'm helping, right? We'll submit it with all your reasons for withdrawing on this investment. And we will hopefully, uh, out of these three options, something will work for you. So which do you prefer, Mr. Tan? So chances are, if Mr. Tan said, yeah, I have a shot, go for it. But even if it's a no, then then give me back what I have. Or even no, then I'll wait it out. Either way, you know, as a company, you are not going to give them back the full reimbursement, but it has given the client the feeling that you are trying your very best to help. So that's one example where you use the power phrase "I wish I could," and you create three, and somehow, sometimes, maybe in the end, all three not suitable, but you still feels happier than if you said "There's nothing I can do."
1: Yeah, mm. so that's
0: the suggestion.
1: So, okay, so after all these steps that are being carried out, how do you maintain, you know, a much healthier relationship after all this like apocalypse, you know, you fight, fight, fight and then like, okay, there's like a bit of service recovery after that, right?
0: Mm. Oh, yes, this again, depending on the different situations. So having worked with uh, multiple organizations around the world, I've seen different types of service recovery. Let's say for an example where you offer all three options and they're not the most ideal for the customer and he or she just accepts either of the options but still not really happy, we need to sweeten the deal. And of course, I cannot specify what can you do, but I can share best practices. For example, in the world of finance and banking, some of the sweeteners they do would be in your next investment, there'll be a discount off or certain management fees or investment fees will be waived or you do not need to maintain a certain balance. These are what we call tradables and options. It does not affect the bank at all, but it makes the client feel that he's something to earn because bank, uh, banks don't make money out of all the... They do, uh, but it's not the main source of income no, for management fee and all that. So let's say for a retail shop, whether it's a clothes or shoes, right? I cannot give you a full refund because your shoe is broken. But again, sweeteners, it could be we will have a voucher for you to offset your next purchase. Or it could be a birthday discount and you come back and then you can buy one, get one free. So something like that. So the options are limitless. But you're absolutely right, Meira. If the client is not really happy, you definitely would want to sweeten the deal and you don't have to invest or spend more money from there. Look at what your offerings have, create those different variables like for myself when I do training and sometimes I, I, I think once I, I had a client who bought my book from Philippines eh? and I had many orders there for that webinar and I mailed them all out and there was one very big fan who kept texting me every other day, Maxine, I can't wait to receive the book. After one whole month, he texted me. He said, I still didn't receive my book. So I traced, oh my goodness, out of the 100 of orders, I actually missed his out. (laughs) I realized, how did I do that? I think I was a bit overwhelmed with the orders. So instead of, sorry, 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 I'm going to mail you uh, the book right now. It's not good enough, right? He was waiting for the entire month. So for me, what I did was I emailed him the link to my Kindle kindle version of kindle version of my book so it's my entire book but in electronic form so he gets to read it right away the cost to me is small but the value to him is priceless yeah. so think of ways like that and you can always you know make a happy customer out of it
1: well i you think know. i've gathered a
0: lot of insights from this sharing mm, thank you i'm glad you did i had fun sharing as well so i wish all our listeners. Um, Better tips, better confidence in turning your skeptics into your advocates.
1: Hi, thank you so much for listening all the way till the end. We hope you've learned how to deal with our difficult customers more tactfully after this episode. Next week, we'll be discussing how we can give feedback that does not hurt the receiver, or at least hurt them less. Personally, I don't know which one is worse, to be the bearer of negative feedback or to be the receiver. Tune in next week to find out how we can shed some positive light when giving negative feedback. As usual, if you guys do have any other topics you'd like us to cover, uh, tap on our DMs on Instagram at AdventistLed. Catch you guys next week. Bye!